Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Well, greetings to you from the rest of the Evangelical Missionary Church family spread across Canada. Greetings as well from our president. You can throw that picture up there of Kervin Ragus and his wife Joan live in Calgary. They've been, he's elected uh, about 18 months ago and is serving. He's got a passion for Jesus, a passion for prayer, a passion for disciple making, passion for uh, indigenous peoples. Indigenous uh, are so broken and needy and uh, and uh, then he also has a passion for the uh, the new Canadians that are coming into our country and uh, the opportunities that are presented there. And so we're really aligning ourselves up with a heart after him. He's out this weekend at Southland Church, which is a part of a, they're, they're the birthing church of Church Renewal Canada. You might have heard of that and uh, some of our national team there. Your interim pastor that's starting next week, Randall Rakoff, they just told me this morning that he's out there as well. I didn't know that. And uh, so there's some great renewal principles that come out of that that I know that you've been hearing about and are no doubt putting into practice. President Kirvin and some others were a part of a team that was over a part of uh, connecting with other missionary church affiliates. Uh, we got about 20 different countries where there's uh, missionary church denominations in them. And so there was a, over in Thailand, they gathered in September. Uh, there was about 13 countries represented. And... Uh, there's just some exciting things happening in other parts of the world. And I encourage you to just to tune in and, and find out what God is doing because he's really alive and well. And I think it's spreading over into Canada from what I'm hearing uh, this morning. But there's several making movements that are launching forward in parts of Asia and Africa and South America and now a bit in Central America. Not so much yet in North America or maybe not so much yet even in Europe. But God is alive and well and moving. And Kirvin was there in Thailand and he heard a report from Shane D'Souza. He's a, a national leader there in our church in India. And so he was trained in disciple making a number of years ago when Shane was beginning to train his 300 pastoral leaders in how to make disciples and make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. And Shane says he shrunk that down to about 30. In other words, they didn't want to shift from doing traditional church and traditional ways to doing it, in a sense, the way Jesus did, making disciples make disciples make disciples. And so he said, shrank down to about 30 disciple makers. He says, but now those 30 disciple makers have so made disciples and raised up other leaders and spread out that he says, I don't even know how many disciple making leaders I have now in India. Shane uh, just testifies and gives glory to God. Another disciple maker from Nepal, uh, Tej is his name. And uh, so he got trained 13, 14, 15 years ago in disciple making. And, uh, and so he began to focus his congregation to be outside the walls. Not just internally focused, but actually started looking outward. And he reported that over the last 13 years, they've made disciples, reached the lost, made disciples, formed into congregations, and there's been 40 churches started in the last 13 years. 
Uh, and just to encourage you, Tej is now 37. If you want to read what God is doing in the Muslim world, there's a couple books been written. One is uh, Wind in the House of Islam by David Garrison and Miraculous Movements by Jerry Truesdale. So the last 20 or 30 years, there's been a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the Muslim world. And God is, I mean, there's signs and wonders taking place amongst them. And many are coming to faith in Christ. Still a very small percentage of the Muslim world. But some believe that the, the, the converted Muslims will be the one that reach some of the most unreached people, which are the hardest to reach right now. And uh, that's exciting to see what God is doing and pouring out his spirit. And why not Canada? Why not disciple-making movements that would largely impact this country? We are not going to do it the way we've been doing it. I mean, we've been doing some good things, but is it doing it? Is it accomplishing it? No. So let's open our eyes to what the scripture says. Let's go back to the ways that Jesus did, the New Testament church did. Let's look at and see what, the, what God is doing as he pours out his spirit in other parts of the world and see how is he doing it there. For years as a pastor, I'd often look to the USA to see what's happening there and then import that into Canada. Now I'm much more interested to see what God is doing in places like Africa or India or Asia. What is God doing there? And let's learn from the scriptures. Let's learn from the Lord. And so, uh, anyways, the, i got to really talk fast because uh, i got a lot to say and not too much time to do it. So, anyways, hang on. But let's, before we do, just want to remind you that Jesus often, uh, when he was speaking, he would say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or kingdom of heaven is near. Or the kingdom of heaven is here. In other words, he was saying, that Messianic King has come. Amen? And I just want to remind you this morning, the Messianic King has come. King Jesus is here. He has come and he's ushered in as here now, yet not fully realized kingdom. So let's look to his hand today. And something else that Jesus often would say when he was talking to the crowds, he would say, He who have ears to hear, let him hear. You got ears? Now, some of them, some of you, they may be not working really well physically, but is your heart open and receptive today to have an ear that hears, in other words, that takes it to heart and lives it out? And so let's just, before I say much more, let's just bow our heads, and why don't you just pray a simple little prayer. Ask the Lord yourself, in your own words, in your own way, just to invite Him to speak to you through the Scriptures through the small, still voice of his Holy Spirit, to speak to your heart so that you can obey. So pray. Lord, we join little Samuel of old who said, uh, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. All the distracting voices we just want to set aside. We want to tune into your word and tune into your spirit. And oh God, make us courageous to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Matthew chapter 28 is that great commission that Jesus gave us. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go into all the world 
make disciples. Baptizing them. Teaching them to be obedient. Acts 1.8. Luke's gospel also talks about this. That, hey guys, don't try to do this on your own. Wait for your, the Holy Spirit to come. And he came. We celebrate that at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit filled them and empowered them. And Peter, who was so timid before, gets up and preaches a humdinger sermon. And 3,000 people get saved. And other groupings of believers began to come a part of the faith. And the church grew. And we read through that early chapters there of the book of Acts. You can turn your Bible to chapter 8. I'll get there in a few minutes. But we realized then that the needs were all not being met. There's now multiple thousands of people that were a part of that church there in Jerusalem. And the widows were being neglected. And so what did they do? They appointed some deacons, Philip, or Stephen, and Philip, and Porticus, and I can't remember the other guys' names. But, right? So they appoint them as deacons to look after the widows. And so Stephen, you know, he's a part of that team. Here, there's, here's some food we've been collecting. And they take it over to a widow's house and meet those needs and maybe, you know, Maybe prayed for her, blessed her. Next thing we know, Peter's doing some things that are rather supernatural as God's working in and through his life. And then they didn't like it. And what they do to Stephen? You know, as you get out there and make a difference in the community, you may not always be appreciated. That's okay. That's okay. Let's not be intimidated. Let's press on. And Saul of Tarsus was very much supporting and behind that persecution that was coming upon that church in those days. And the church began to scatter. Went down in Samaria. I think that scripture verse is there. Uh, chapter 8, verses 48. And now they were scared. Who <clears throat> Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. God has his way of spreading the church out, right? Through a bit of persecution, through hard times. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So here's another deacon, right? Not an apostle, but just one of the deacons. And he proclaimed them the Christ, the Messiah. And the crowds were with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice and they came out of many who had them and Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, so there was much joy in that city. I mean, I mean, how dare he? He wasn't an apostle. He was just an ordinary guy uh, distributing food to the needy. And, I mean, here he's now not only preaching the gospel, but allowing signs and wonders to take place through his life. Because why? Because God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And there's joy in the city. Not just joy because they, you know, uh, got healed, but no doubt joy that they heard about the Messiah, the King, who's come. And so anyways, the apostles come down. The whole story goes forward there. If you want to turn down a little further in your Bible there, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. This is, and to 40 is the section. I want to talk about Philip here and his encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. 
and want us to renew our confidence in the Lord. There's times that we are rather discouraged and silent, and and I think there's some really good principles here to help us uh, engage our world around us as we see that Philip did. And I like Philip because he wasn't an apostle. He was just an ordinary person. Didn't have the, you know, uh, probably had some encounter with Jesus, of course. And, uh, but God worked him in a great way. So chapter 8, verse 26. The revival was kind of ending up in Samaria there now. And then the angel of the Lord said to Philip. He was open to the supernatural. He was open to the voice of God. He was open up to letting his life be guided by God. And he said, rise and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. He was being obedient. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. So he would have been a man, a professional man, a businessman, like a, uh, a man of stature, a man of, no doubt, some financial means. And he came to Jerusalem too. There was this Gentile going to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in the chariot. And he was reading the book of uh, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Point number one is this. Friends, we need to renew our confidence that God is already at work in the world, drawing people to himself. God is already at work in the world, preparing people's hearts, calling and drawing on them. Here was a man that uh, he had no idea who this guy was or where he was coming from, but here he is, and he's, he's a man out on a chariot reading the book of Isaiah. His heart was absolutely prepared. Think about your own spiritual journey. Uh, for me, I got saved in a crusade, but God was at work in my life many years beforehand. Various people and circumstances were happening in my life to eventually came to that point where I repented of my sin and put my faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that how it works? God was already well, been, well working in my life from before that crusade ever happened. And it was well at work in his life before Philip comes along. Henry Blackaby wrote a great book, Experiencing God. Any of you ever read it, studied it? encourage you to do so because he really talks about a wonderful principle about joining God in what he is doing. Early in my pastoral ministry, I, was, I believed a lot in prayer because I really needed help. I, I don't have much ability or gifts or anything. I just need Jesus and trust him to do something. And so I would be praying on Saturdays at the church and for hours praying Lord, you got to show up on Sunday morning. You know, this is what I'm preaching. And, you know, this person needs to hear that and speak to so-and-so and convict so-and-so and heal this and do that. And I was telling God how to do it, when to do it, and to who to do it. And it's amazing. Sometimes he did show up and do some amazing things. And I was excited. But over the years, I got a little wiser. As God began to train me about prayer is more than just talking to God. It's actually listening to God. And, and uh, you know, I would be over here saying, God, would you join me? You know, like as if God is serving me in what I think should be done. And God, you know, eventually got through to me. Hey, Claren, you know, I'm actually not working over there. I'm actually overhearing. I could actually use you to help me over here. Oh, that's radical. And Claren, I don't want you to speak here, and I want you to do this. And, you know, like he's starting to give the orders. 
Now, I tell you, it, it's a whole, a whole lot easier and in some ways a whole lot harder. Because, I mean, it's a whole lot easier because all I have to do is hear his voice and do what he says. And it's a whole lot harder because I have to hear his voice and do what he says. I realize I don't hear very good, and actually it's not really a hearing problem, it's actually a heart problem, and uh, because it's a little stubborn in there sometimes. But the more that I know him, the more wonderful he is, and the more courageous I become. We need a renewed confidence that God is already at work in people's lives, and you don't know who they are this week. Those people's lives you touched this last week, you don't know what work God has already been doing preparing those hearts. We'll see what he does. Second point is this, we need, we need to renew confidence in the Holy Spirit that he will lead us to those right people who he's been working on, who are ready, and he's desiring to call to himself, to repentance. As we pray, we listen, we tune in, we join up, we, we hear his voice, we, we tie into what he's going to be doing and accomplishing. Verse 29 of chapter 8, and the Spirit, okay, so he, so he goes down, the angel speaks to him, goes down, there he's in the desert place, then he gets a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Go over and join the chariot. And so he does. Probably has to run a little bit to catch up to it. I don't know how fast it was moving. But anyways, he runs up. Here's, some, here's the guy reading out loud, which isn't so strange. Probably this guy was reading to others in the chariot and others around, you know, and, and uh, he could hear him reading from the book of Isaiah. He was the right person. Not just in the right place, the right time, but right now, the right person who certainly God had prepared. We can be confident of that. This, this ties together. Over in uh, Africa, Sierra Leone, the disciple-making movement is taking place there. There's an island off the coast of Sierra Leone that's Muslim-dominated. One day the Holy Spirit told one of the disciple-making leaders, I want you to go out to that island and preach the gospel. And he says, Lord, you know, it's a little dangerous to do that in some places. And the Lord says, yeah, go and do it. So he gets on a boat, sails across this island, gets off the boat, meets a guy as he gets off, a Muslim man. He says to him, what are you doing here? He says, well, I, I came to tell you about Jesus, about Isa. And the guy looked at him and he says, you know about Isa? I've been reading in the Quran about Isa, about Jesus, and, I, and I've been wondering about him, and no one's around to, can explain him to me. Would you, would you teach us about Isa? And he says, yeah, let's I'll come to your family and uh, your home and, and share. And so he did, and he found out that he was a Muslim imam uh, or cleric. And uh, long story short is, is that he's, he was telling him then there's other imams on the island as well that don't, they want to know about Isa. Would you come and tell, us about, tell them about Isa? Long story short, a bunch of Muslim imams got saved. Amen. Like, I mean, this is, right? What, what, I mean, what did he do? He did the hard thing and the easy thing. It's simply hear the voice of God and do it. Now, his life was potentially at risk. And some of, those, some of those people, they just say, well, I mean, I, to die is to go to be with the Lord. I mean, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not there yet, but, but uh, Lord, help us. Be courageous. Point number three. 
Uh, we need a renewed confidence that blessing people will help us find persons of peace so that we can share the good news. Renewed confidence that blessing people will help us find the persons of peace so we can share the good news. He, he, as he ran up to that chariot, he took a posture of servant. Do you understand what you are reading? In other words, he was offering possibly an explanation. And that's exactly what you've been doing in your community outreach. You've been taking a posture of serving, a posture of blessing, to speak well of and to do good too. And we need to be doing that. The church needs to be much more doing that. We should be known because of our, the love define us, is what the song said we sang there. The love of Christ defines us. May this community miss Wilmont Center if it ever ceases to exist. Right? We should have that kind of a presence. But, can I tweak what you're doing a little bit? It's important to learn from the Africans. The Africans would tell us there's times that the missionaries came over here, spent decades, 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 and in the end only had a couple converts. The Africans would be so bold and tell us that if they would have been, the missionaries would have been a little wiser and followed the scriptures and looked for persons of peace as the scripture defines in Luke chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 10, they would have found that they should have probably left the village that they were working in and the ground was so hard and unresponsive and went down the river further to another village where God had already prepared a person of peace, they would have been a much different story. So friends, why are we doing acts of kindness? What are we doing? Of course we need to be people of blessing. We need to be people known for our love and the love of Christ. But what we're doing in that is actually looking for persons of peace, the people that God has already prepared, the people that are the right people to share the gospel. The enemy is wise, and he will get you wasting a bunch of time on deaf ears and hard hearts. And so, yeah, do you still bless them? Absolutely. But when they're unresponsive and untuned and unwilling, you lovingly move on. Now, you need to know the will of the Lord in that because sometimes by prevailing and journeying a little longer, there's a breakthrough. So, I mean, that's a sensitive thing. We need to walk with God on that. But we're looking for the people that God has prepared that are responsive and ready to share the gospel with. And we build a relationship with them, a relationship of trust. Persons of peace. Danny McKay, he's uh, from northern Manitoba. He tells his story. He's a disciple maker. And he's got a disciple that he was training how to make disciples. And this young man had a passion for Sikhs. And so one day, and lots of times Danny says him and his disciple were praying for these, uh, the Sikh community. And so one day uh, Danny's disciple ends up in, the, I think it was in Winnipeg, in the, one of the malls there shopping. Goes into the mall, and there's a security guard uh, who was a Sikh. And he felt some nudge of the Holy Spirit to go over and talk to him. So he goes over and talks to him and, and uh, starts testifying about Jesus. And the guy looks at him and he says, you know Jesus? He says, yeah. He says, well, a week ago, I had this very vivid dream. I was in a river and I was drowning and I was going down for the last time. And all of a sudden, a hand came out of nowhere and lifted me out and set me on the ground. And then I heard this voice saying that uh, I am Jesus. I can't remember what what all those words were. I can't remember now that story, part of that story. But he, he declared that he was Jesus and that you're safe with me. And he says, I have been praying 
for the last week for someone to talk to me about Jesus. <laughs> wow! Isn't God something? To basically a white group of people, I want to tell you here that Jesus loves and died on the cross for Muslims. He died for Sikhs. He died for Hindus, right? He died for the communists. He died for the pagan. He died for us so-called Christians. Right? And he is doing amazing things to call and draw people to himself in other parts of the world, but yes, in Canada as well. Persons of peace. Uh, that's something I'm just learning. I don't know all the answers to that all yet, but anyways, we've got to keep pressing on. I'm supposed to be done. <laughs> i got a couple more points if I can. Fourth, we need a renewed confidence in the scriptures, which is the Bible, to speak truth to people as they read and discover truth. Uh, there's such an undermining of the scriptures these days, right? And we need to hold to the truth of God's word with all our heart and live it out. Um, what did, what did uh, Philip do with the Ethiopian eunuch? He went from that scripture and he declared to him Jesus. And we need to, from the scriptures, declare Jesus. And we need to find a way in which we help people get enough knowledge of who Jesus is from the scriptures so that they can, with integrity, with knowledge, know enough about him to properly accept him or reject him. How many young people today don't know anything hardly about Jesus? Right? Or the Bible. I mean, it's a very different day. And just throwing the gospel at someone is oftentimes it's not, I mean, just the little plan of salvation out of the blue. I mean, it doesn't have a framework. In other parts of the world, they're using uh, studies called uh, creation to Christ. And they just are little short biblical summaries over a number of weeks that just trace the story. Creation, the fall, redemption, you know, the, the Abrahamic covenants and going through and, and tracing it through till you come to the, to the Christ. Uh, we need to find ways in which to do that. Maybe Alpha is one. I don't know what, what tools we have or need to develop. Uh, Discovery Bible study is something that they're using, which is an inductive study of the scriptures in a chronological way. Anyways, you know what we do here in Canada? Uh, one of the things that's so different there than here is in other parts of the world where, the, where disciples are, it's just spreading, the church is growing. Um, they say that one of the biggest differences is there they hear and obey. In Canada, we, we hear the word of God, and then next week we do a different study. And then we discuss it and debate it and argue a little bit if it's really good, if it's a really good small group, right? And very little obedience. What's happening in other parts of the world is it's not that they have tons of knowledge of the scriptures, they just obey what they know. Not all the time. I mean, there's disobedient people there as well, but, but that's a different trend. May you be known. Man, if churches, if Christians would only forgive each other. In the job I do now as a regional minister, if Christians would only forgive each other, I could be unemployed. (laughs) 
So who do you got in your heart right now this morning that you're not forgiving and God's putting his finger on you right now and saying you need to forgive that person? Five, God uses, we need to renew confidence that God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And so that eunuch gets saved, gets baptized in early church uh, leaders would say that the oral tradition is, we don't have this in the scriptures, but that he went and multiplied this out in his home country. Throw that graph up real quickly here, and then I've got to wind up here. Disciple-making movements is what I am, we are, as a denomination, believing that God wants to do in Canada. Yes, we keep gathering. We need to continue to do some of the things that we're continuing to do, but we need to be really thinking about what, what is a disciple-making movement? What is a disciple? How do we multiply disciples to multiply disciples to multiply disciples? And there's lots of principles of disciple-making movements. This is five. It's pared down here by an organi- mission organization called Final Command. To these five, and I'll just end up with this. One, everything is based in fasting and prayer. Because a move, it's really about a move of God. Because can you save anybody? Can you transform and change a life? Can you heal? Can you set free? No, it's all a work of God. They trace back these disciple-making movements in, that's been happening the last 20, 30 years to a prayer movement that began to play for the Muslim world about 30-some years ago. Prayer and fasting. It's not just praying to God, but it's actually listening to God. So there's alignment with God. Then they serve with purpose. That's this act. This is getting outside the walls as Christians. This is where we're looking for ways in which we can bless people, engage conversations. Why? Because we're looking for the person of peace, the third principle. We're looking for that receptive person. And then we offer to do it, what they really like is a tool called Discovery Bible Study. It's a simple little inductive tool to look at Scripture in a chronological way. And it's not Western or it's not a missionary giving his slant. Every one of us views scripture from our culture. When you use an inductive approach, they, a Muslim can look at scripture through their own eyes. And it's not filtered through westernism or you know, whatever, uh, whatever kind of belief systems. Anyway, so that's an important tool. I, I, I can come and do a workshop on that sometime if you want me to. A little commercial. And then, anyway, so, so then when, they, when these discovery groups happen... There's off, the, the, people get saved. Often there's the miraculous that starts to happen. They, they, you know, someone in the group's sick or whatever, or knows somebody else is, and God shows up and does a miracle, or something happens like that, accelerates it, they get saved, family gets saved, and then they simply train them how to pray. That's re, re, you know, embracing multiplication. Then they teach them how to uh, pray and fast, how to serve on purpose, how to look for persons at peace, how to have a discovery Bible study through which the gospel is shared and people get saved, etc. Can you imagine where a bunch of you folk, you've been following Jesus a long time, right? By the look of you, some of you are really old and gray. Like it's a, I mean, it, if you got saved young, man, it's it's a really like me, it's a really long time, over forty years. Do we need to be taught anything more? Or do, we need to, or do we need to be released to start impacting others? I think that's the day you're at. That's what the vision that your leadership is recognizing. This is the day, yes, it's still to be coming together and encouraged. And yes, there's still people that need to be taught. And there's things maybe new. But it's now, let's, you know, 
Let's get out there and find a methodology and a way and a means through which God is going to pour out and use you and you're going to have those stories to tell and your life is going to come, you're going to be very alive in your faith because God is showing up. And I find that God tends to show up more miraculously for others that I pray for than he does when I pray for myself. Why? Because he's really looking to seek and to save those who are lost. He wants to add to his family. And he does things for me as well. And for you and me. So what's God saying to you? Just just bow your head real quickly. Worship team, you want to come? And they're going to close in that song again. But just bow your head and close your eyes and say, Lord, what are you saying to me today? And then can you, once you hear what he says, because he's going to speak to you, it doesn't take him long. And then when you purpose in your heart, by the grace of God, okay, Lord, say thank you for speaking to me, and by your grace, Lord, I will. Can you make that I will statement? Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.